This is Heather Meckes, Director of Discipleship at CRC, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you, encourages you, and allows you to see how God is moving in and around you. If you would like to check out more resources, go to coopersvillereform.com. Enjoy the message. To the um, lobby and the top of the kids' zone stairs is where you can meet them. If you are able, will you please stand this morning for the reading of God's word? Our scripture text today comes from the book of Mark, chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. And if you want to follow along in the Blue Church Bible, it can be found on page 823. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. morning, CRC. Hey, my name is Connor Mackey. I'm the Young Adults Leader and Creative Arts Director here at Coopersville Reformed Church, and I'm glad to be here worshiping with you today. Uh, I have a question for you. Did you know that Jesus came to earth and died not necessarily for the religious elite but for those who would humble themselves before him. That's who Jesus came to earth for. And today we're going to explore a story, which you just heard from Heather, about how this happened. But Before we get there, would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for bringing us here today. Whether it's in person, watching online right now, watching online later, God, I'm thankful that you brought us here today. May today be a day of looking at your word for guidance, a day of thankfulness for you, for giving us a a word to follow, God. God, I pray today would be a day of humility, a day of story. Lord, humble us, give us grace, give us mercy. Remind us who you are and what you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me tell you a story. Now, this is a story that you already know, and I know that you know it because you just heard it about a minute ago from Heather when she read it. It's the story of a man named Bartimaeus. Uh, Bartimaeus lived 2,000 years ago, give or take a few years, 
and uh, he was blind. And because he's blind, he's unable to work. And because he's unable to work, he needs to beg, because even those who are blind need to eat, right? And so Bartimaeus, living in Jericho, sits outside of the, temp- outside of the city gates, and he begs. And fortunately for Bartimaeus, he lives in Jericho. Although his circumstances are unfortunate, his placement in the world is fortunate. Hear me on that. His circumstances are unfortunate, but where he is and when he is there is very fortunate. You see, Jericho is the city of green in a tan desert. It's an oasis. And because it's an oasis, there's lots of people that live there. And if you want to get to Jerusalem, it's very likely that you need to go through Jericho to get there if you're heading from the south. There is one safe road that you can take, and it goes directly through Jericho. And as a result, if you are a merchant or you are a pilgrim going to Jerusalem for a religious festival, you are likely going to go through the city. And if you go through the city, you're going to go through the gates as well. Because if you're going to enter the city, you need to register at these gates. And so Bartimaeus, although his circumstances are unfortunate, his location is fortunate. Because if there's lots of people, lots of merchants, lots of pilgrims, that means there's a lot of money traveling through Jericho. And so Bartimaeus... This blind beggar is typically left at the city gates waiting and begging for money. One detail that's important is that uh, Bartimaeus likely would not have brought himself there because of his circumstances. He would have been led there by family or friends or somebody who may be profiting off of him. Somebody who would guide him to these city gates, leave him there all day, and then come back and pick him up. This was his profession. He had no other option. He is not lazy. This is just all that he could do. And so people would take advantage of him and leave him there. Now, even though uh, Bartimaeus is blind, he can still hear, right? And so he hangs around the city gates, right? And if you want to listen to gossip, we talked about gossip last week, if you want to listen to gossip, the city gates are the place to be. It's where all the gossip is spread. And so Bartimaeus, being that he can hear and being that he can hang out by these gates, he starts to hear these rumors. These rumors about a man from Nazareth who can walk on water. These rumors about a man named Jesus who gives sight to the blind. And it's very likely that he also would have heard the rumor that this man, Jesus of Nazareth, was in Jericho. Remember I said that his circumstances may be unfortunate, but his location is fortunate. Because if Jesus is in in Jericho, guess where Jesus is going to pass through? The gates. So Bartimaeus sits and he waits for Jesus to pass through these gates. And then that moment happens. As we just read, as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. 
When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And so they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet. He is calling you. And throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. And we've got to pause there for a moment. Because there's a small detail that we just read that we can oftentimes overlook, and it's the cloak. The cloak. We often don't, we, we hear the word cloak or robe or whatever you want to call it, and we're just like, I don't care about that. That put an image in my mind, but I'm going to skip over it. But I have a friend, his name is Josh Mast, and he pointed this out to me one time at the vineyard. This cloak was likely the only cloak that Bartimaeus owned. Remember his circumstances. Taken advantage of, left there by his friends or family, not necessarily taken advantage of by them, but left there so that he could pull his weight, make some sort of living by begging. And this cloak probably would have been not the nicest, because any money that they get from Bartimaeus, they would have bought him food, they would have bought him the very basic minimum of what he needs to survive. And this cloak, being the only one that he has, is a prized possession. While he's sitting outside of the gates of Jericho, he would have been sitting on this cloak, sitting off of the dirt, and this would have been his only seat. But there's another important detail. Another important detail is that this would have been the place where people would have dropped their money. This is the guitar case on the side of the road, so to speak, the little cup with change in it, right? This cloak that he jumps up and runs from is the very thing that he is sitting there to protect, his means to get through the day. And what you got to see in this is this image of somebody saying, I don't care what is on this cloak. I don't care that it's the only one that I own, but I'm willing to abandon it because the King of Kings, the Messiah, has just called me. And whatever is on there, it could be a million bucks. I don't care. I'm leaving it behind because the Son of Man has just called me to him. Bartimaeus has heard the stories of Jesus. He's heard that he can heal the blind. And that would be the greatest gift that he could ever receive. And so he leaves his cloak in the dirt with his money on it and goes to Jesus. Let's continue in the story. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. This is an image of things being made right. Bartimaeus turns from beggar on the side of the road into disciple. The very road that would have been like a prison cell for him is now a path to redemption that he is walking down with the Messiah. And a little fun fact, 
is that this would be the last miracle that Jesus would perform in the Gospel of Mark. But what I want you to see in this are these few words. Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. You see, these words, shouted by Bartimaeus, are filled with pain and suffering. In Israel tradition, and I want to make this clear that this is Israel tradition, this is not scripture, but in Israel tradition, those who were blind were often seen as being cursed by God. This is their human tradition. And as a result, they are often seen as being the lowest of the low. They are the outcasts. That's why he is resorting to living on the side of the road, begging for money, right? That is his only option. And in their tradition, that's about all he deserves. And while there are rights that protect them, you can't just uh, get rid of them, uh, they would have been hated by the crowds, hated by the Israelites. And you can see that in the text, can't you? The first time that Bartimaeus cries out, how does the crowd respond? They shush him. They tell him to be quiet, right? Uh, They didn't want to hear what he had to say. Because here's the Messiah walking down the path. Who is Bartimaeus that he has a right to be speaking up to the Messiah right now. And yet, he persists. Son of David, have mercy on me. And even crazier than this blind man crying out to Jesus is that Jesus responds to Bartimaeus, and Bartimaeus' persistence pays off. And I gotta tell you, this is in stark contrast to how Jesus responds to his disciples right before this. Let's look at this passage in a little bit of context by reading verses 35 through 45. Then James and John, the son of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Let's just pause there for a moment. Because when somebody approaches you and says, hey, I want you to do whatever I ask of you. Immediately in your mind, you're like, I don't know about that, right? It's like when somebody approaches you and says, can I just get a quick favor? You know they're not asking for a quick favor. You know they're asking for something much larger. And Jesus being the king of kings, he knows what they're going to ask, and he still says, what do you want me to do for you? Continuing on in verse 37, they replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in glory. At your left in glory. They've asked to be glorified just a little bit lower than Jesus. Here's Jesus, here's his right hand, here's his left hand. We're just a little bit lower than Jesus. And Jesus' response is, you don't know what you are asking. Jesus said, can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? And they give a, I would say, a kind of a foolish answer. They say, we can We can totally do that. Whatever you're going to do, whatever's going to happen to you, we can do that. And Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink. 
and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left hand is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. And when the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as ransom for many. Look at the parallelism here. The contrast between these two situations, right? Both call out to Jesus. The disciples, they call out to him. We want you to do whatever we ask. Bartimaeus calls out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus responds to both of them in the same way. What do you want me to do for you? In the same way, he says, what do you want me to do for you? Yet the difference is, is that the disciples, those who represent Jesus on earth, are asking for glory. Those who would then go on to create and build upon the church that he already established, those who would then be the founders of the faith that we have outside of Jesus, would be the ones asking for glory. It is a reminder, a humbling reminder, what not to do. Bartimaeus, on the other side, responds with, have mercy on me. You see the humility, the humility in his words. Knowing his social status was very low. Knowing that he was regarded as an outcast. Knowing that this, the the culture of his day, the people of his day would have just said, we don't want to listen to you. Beg for your money, we'll pay you a little bit here and there, but that's about it. He's the one who approaches Jesus with these words, son of David, have mercy on me. In the verses before, Jesus also says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The author wants you, connect, wants you to connect that point to what happens next. Because what he says is those who want to become great must serve. And then what does he do? He serves. And he serves somebody who is not well respected. The high roller disciples are not given the answer that they wanted. And yet the lowly nobody Bartimaeus is given an answer and a great answer indeed. Jesus calls Bartimaeus to him and asks what he can do for Bartimaeus. Rabbi, I want 
to see. Jesus does as he explained to his disciples. He serves them, right? And he says to Bartimaeus, go, your faith has healed you. And I think that this is an image of what our faith is supposed to look like as well. Not seeking our own glory in our religion, but rather humbling ourselves at the feet of Christ. Humbling ourselves to Jesus. And what I find really fascinating about this is that Bartimaeus himself is not well educated. He may have been hearing lots of things and he may uh, know plenty, but he is an average person. He's not some mighty theologian. He is not a disciple at the beginning of this story. He's just a dude on the side of the road. And while we cannot make any inferences of what happens with Bartimaeus next, uh, we can kind of make a little bit of speculation. And so some commentators, uh, they would agree with what I'm about to say. R.C. Sproul and John MacArthur agree as well. But I think it is very likely that Bartimaeus went on to become uh, a disciple of Jesus. And probably a pretty well-known one. For you uh, Bible thumpers, for those of you who are great theologians, know your scripture well, let me ask you a question. How many blind beggars are mentioned by name in the Bible? One. How many healings are in the Bible where the name of the person that is healed is given? Or at least somebody in connection with them? Like two? Three? There's not very many, and yet there are many healings happening. And so the fact that Bartimaeus' name is even mentioned, this lowly blind beggar is mentioned, kind of indicates that he went on after this and became a disciple and spread the word. It's likely that Mark is implying here, like, hey, if you don't believe this story about Bartimaeus here, what I've just told you, how about you go ask him yourself? He lives in Jericho, and a bunch of people there knew that he was blind before and now see that he can see. So if you don't believe what I'm writing to you, here's my citation. Here's my little note. And he likely would have gone on to be a disciple. He also, as we read earlier, walked down the road with Jesus, which is just this incredible image of, uh, of reconciliation, right? As I said earlier, this road that would have been his prison is now his road to redemption. He is on his way to Jerusalem with Jesus, with the disciples. And it's Jesus' last time entering into Jerusalem before he is crucified. And there is Bartimaeus, having sight and being able to see what is about to happen. The reason why I want to talk about this passage today is because of these words that are on the screen right here. So, a few hundred years after these words would have been written, uh, there, are, there are these people called the Desert Fathers. 
And they are monks that escape to the wilderness because they see the decay of the world and how it is in their day. And they decide, well, we're going to, we're going to run away and we're going to start these monasteries in the middle of nowhere. And we're just going to be self-sustaining as much as we can. And we're going to uh, keep the faith alive by separating ourselves from the world. And this prayer comes out of this passage. They added three words. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner. And if I'm honest, in the past year and a half, about a year and a half ago, this very uh, wise woman shared this prayer with me. And in the past year and a half, this has been a prayer that comes up in my own prayer life, man, probably, probably every other week. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I know that sinner language can be hard to swallow sometimes. But it truly does encapsulate that picture of humility when we approach Jesus. Imagine approaching Jesus and saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, and all right, dude, I'm kind of okay. I got some things wrong here and there, but I'm kind of okay. But still have mercy on me. This is a prayer that will uh, really just remind you of who you are. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus' response, as we see in Bartimaeus, is to call Bartimaeus over. When we say this prayer, it's not a prayer of, I am so desperate, I am so low down, I am defeated. No, 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 no. It is a prayer of, Father, look at who I am. I recognize what you have done. Forgive me what I have done. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner. This is a picture of humility. This is how Bartimaeus, the blind beggar, approaches Jesus. And uh, this, is, this is my prayer for you as well. That we would not be the religious elite sitting back and saying, we're good, we've got it covered. But rather we would look to Jesus and say, Jesus, I know I am a sinner. Son of David, have mercy on would you pray with me? Father, I'm reminded of your goodness as we look at this prayer. God, thank you for your grace and your mercy. The very fact that we can ask for mercy says that you will give it to us. You gave it to Bartimaeus. You gave him sight as well. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. God, remind us who we are, who you are, and what you have done. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Connor. Good morning. My name is Bob Boone, and I have the opportunity and the privilege to share communion with you all this morning. Connor's sermon this morning was perfect for uh, a day that we celebrate communion. Jesus didn't come for the elite. 
He came for each and every one of us. And uh, even though we're sinners, that we can call out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us, a sinner. And that's what we do in communion, as we share in this meal together. Uh, that's our opportunity this morning, to share in communion together. I pray that the Holy Spirit would prepare our hearts, that we can truly say that, that we can truly call on Him as the Son of David, and we could trust in Him as our Lord and Savior. The very same night that Jesus was to be betrayed, He took bread and He broke it with this group of disciples that were following Him. They were in this intimate setting called the Upper Room. We call it the Last Supper. Even though He knew He would be betrayed, He wanted a meal together with all of those that were closest to him in this intimate setting around the table. And oftentimes, that's where we have some of our most intimate times, is around the table with friends and family, brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's what we share this morning in communion. In this upper room, in this intimate setting, Jesus took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he said, This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, after supper, he took the cup, and he said, This is my body, or this is my blood, shed for you. Take, drink, do this in remembrance of me. I would ask the elders to come forward as we go to God in prayer. Father in heaven, we come to you today to thank you for this opportunity in which we have to do this in remembrance of you. That we can call out to you in humbleness, Son of David, have mercy on us, sinners all. But God, you knew that we would sin. And you had a plan. You had a plan to send your Son, Jesus Christ, here for us. That he could redeem us by having his body broken and his blood shed for each and every one of us. That he would defeat sin once and for all by his resurrection from the grave, his ascension into heaven and sitting on the right hand of God the Father. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this opportunity to share in this together. We ask, Lord, that we would be humble servants, humble disciples, humble followers of yours. We ask these things in Jesus' name alone. Amen. During this service, the elders will serve you in your seats. First the bread, and if you would wait till the end, to partake of that, we will all partake of that together. <clears throat>
Take, eat, this is Christ's body broken for you.
Take, drink, for this is Christ's blood shed for you. Let's stand and recite the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the plan that you have for us. God, we thank you that uh, this is plan A. God, we love plan A. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you that you have provided for us a way that we can be redeemed to you. God, we just give you thanks and praise and glory. In your son's precious name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.